Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Kingdom Driven Family Podcast with your host, Andrea Schwartz. This podcast will equip and empower you to help advance Christ's kingdom through God's primary institution, the family, building a home that serves Christ and His kingdom. Hello and welcome to another edition of Homeschooling Helps with Andrea Schwartz. Today we are up and Nancy Wilk. And Nancy Wilk. (laughs) I was going to let her get to that, but it's okay. (laughs) That's what happens when you have a friend who talks too much. Anyway. (laughs) That's right. That's what we do. I I didn't mean you. I meant meant you. (laughs) Okay. So today we're in part seven of the 10 part series, Does God's Law Reign in Your Home? And today we get to talk about the commandment that I think is relatively misunderstood, the seventh commandment. So Nancy, you take it away from here. Sure, okay, when we talk about the seventh commandment, it says not to commit adultery. And initially we think that means, okay, don't have sexual intimacy with a person that you're not married to. Um, and so, you know, it, it's a lot of people would say, okay, well, I'm good. I don't do that. Um, but when I'm teaching it to the children, one of the things I say is, you know, the seventh commandment, here's the dad, here's the mom, here's the kid, seventh commandment, not to commit adultery. That means we keep our marriage. Now you said that this was about treason. And so I got to scratch my head because I think of treason like mutiny on the bounty, on the high seas, you walk the plank and you're done. Or, you know, overthrowing a um, a country's government. So so how do we connect the idea of treason and the family? Like it's that's that's a big stretch. Fill in the blank there, Andrea. Okay. Well, the fact that we think of treason in statist terms has much more to do with the unbiblical nature of most people's world and life view. I think we've established, as we've gone through the earlier commandments, that God's law primarily is instruction to covenanted families. When the Bible talks about honor your father and your mother, it doesn't talk about honor your prime minister, president, or king. Now, there is an element that if you honor your parents and you honor the basic primary institution of society, what you learn and apply there will go out into other areas. But treason is the ultimate act of disloyalty. So we're used to a spy being caught and tried for treason because he was selling secrets to an opposing government. Well, if you look in scripture, even when there were conflicts between kings, etc., and spies, those were not the elements of treason. Treason in scripture is offenses against the family of such a nature that they're detrimental. And thus, if you look at all the capital crimes in scripture, almost all of them have to do with destroying the family. Murder, a capital offense. Um, incest, a capital offense, um, you know, uh, encourageability, 
uh, having a family member who refuses to sue to submit to the authority of the family and obviously destroying the marital bond is a capital offense because it's taking a stab at God's primary institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we really do make that, uh, well, you're, you're right. We misunderstand treason or we don't use it biblically. And then when Jesus says that it's so serious that, that we have broken it when we just, um, when lust rises in our heart towards um, another, another person, that's, that's pretty far reaching. And, and yet we, we have a tendency to define it as very, very narrow. And in terms of family, we often think that a family is whoever, you know, whoever we want our family to be instead of who God has designed the family to be. And because we are products of the 20th, 21st century and very influenced by the worldview of Charles Darwin, Karl Marx, and especially Sigmund Freud, we look at things in sexual terms. So we look at thou shalt not commit adultery in sexual terms. Well, let's go back to the scriptures where the prophets are telling Israel that God considers them adulterous. Is there a sexual connotation there? No, it has to do with faithfulness. It has to do with keeping covenant. And so whereas sexual sins would be part of this, it's not the totality of it. I see. I see that that really does put a a totally different perspective on the idea of um, covenant, government, treason, authority and that basic um, that basic structure of the family and the resp- and the and the value, the value of the family. Right. And so if we make everything sexual, then we identify ourselves as just sexual physical beings. But there's much more to that. If, if a marriage is only based on sex, what happens if one of the members of that covenanted marriage ends up being a paralyzed quadriplegic? And there's no longer sexual opportunities or it's possible. Is the marriage over? Is that why people come together? Because they just have this pleasure principle. I'm looking for someone who's going to give me pleasure. No, marriage is a commitment that involves a closeness and an intimacy. And the byproduct of that is not only children, but it's pleasure. Mm-hmm. But that's not the scope of that's not the that's not the scope of it. No, because you see, a lot of people say, "Okay, thou shalt not commit adultery." So you have to be married in order for adultery to take place. Therefore, fornication's okay. Well, first of all, let's understand what fornication is. Fornication okay. is the big blanket term of which adultery could fall under. Mm-hmm. Fornication is any uncleanness that involves a lack of faithful adherence to the principles of scripture with regards to the family. So if two people have a sexual relationship and they're not covenanted together, that fornication is disruptive, not only of their lives and their family lives, but it's disruptive of society because God wants society to based on committed individuals in covenanted families who then go out and take dominion in Jesus name. So Mm -hmm. anything, whether it's fornication between two people, uh, a male and a female, 
or same-sex um, intimacy or transvestites or transgender. We need to look at all these things as equally abhorrent to God in terms of the assault of the image of God in man. And that's why it's wrong. It's not wrong because I find this or that distasteful. It's wrong because God's word says it's wrong. Yes. Yeah. So, so even the, um, with our, our children, let's, let's talk about, you know, we're, this is a homeschool conversation, you know, like if, if we just limit the idea of adultery to um, adults and sexuality, and we miss the um, the the family aspect of it. We're missing a, a lot. So, so there's people that might say, "Well, you know, previously they might not think they need to have this conversation with their kids." So, so let's bring it home. How do we teach our children, little little children, you know? about not committing adultery in terms of honoring their, their family and um, uh, as, as little boys and girls. Again, we've taken the idea of sexuality and female and male body parts as something that we cannot talk to children about. Um, you know, we, we have to make sure that we, we don't introduce things that, you know, they're not going to be able to understand. Well, excuse me, any child who grows up understands if he looks at himself and he's a boy and he looks at his sister and, and she's a girl, that they're different. And part mm -hmm. of this idea of making it a taboo that we can't talk about things like sexuality, but sexuality isn't like asking, is your five-year-old a heterosexual or a homosexual? Your five-year-old isn't either one in essence, he or she is a girl or a boy, right? Mm -hmm. And right. we look at them that way and they understand, especially if they come from a family that has many children, that mommy carries a baby inside of her and that baby is not mommy, that baby is someone different than mommy and mm -hmm. that baby is going to end up looking like you or your sister because, you know, that's a human being. And we rejoice in it as opposed to, well, we can't talk to children about this. That's mm -hmm. nonsense. In a agricultural setting, children would often have seen cows give birth to calves or horses give birth to foals. So we don't have to make it that it's the sort of thing that um, children can't handle and we will lead them astray. What leads them astray is not a biblical orientation to sexuality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. So getting that biblical orientation and valuing that relationship and that that um, covenant is where we need to um, where we need to what we need to relearn and focus our attention on. Can you give us some examples? OK, so remember the broad the first two great commandments are then further developed in the ten. And then scripturally speaking, they're further developed after that in the case law, much the same way that you have to make a decision. If something's right or wrong, you go back to the scripture, you say, which box you might say, does this apply to? Well, when you're teaching loyalty to the family, if you're teaching this idea that the family is a dominion institution, then sons and daughters should not be unfaithful to their brothers and sisters. They shouldn't be unfaithful to their 
parents. They should have this idea of commitment that they see manifested in parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. You see, the whole idea of the extended or trustee family is the idea that God's family is an important thing to care about. Today, more people identify as Americans or not, or from this state or not. Now we have blue states and red states. You see, these are all political classifications. We need to look at ourselves in terms of family classifications. And that's something, quite frankly, that the compulsory education state education system has done a fabulous job of destroying because young people talk about, I want to be with my friends. They don't necessarily talk about, I want to be with my family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big difference. We do generally um, think of adultery in sexual terms. It, it might, it, it might take some real effort to think of it in terms of family loyalty and um, so when the scripture talks about the people of Israel being adulterous to God, and we see also that um, adultery or, or marriage of the bride and, um, and the Christ, that, that's another family um, loyalty and picture that we need to be mindful of. Absolutely. And young people especially need to understand that their desire to be grown up and to have sexual experiences or not seem as though they're out of date or out of touch because they haven't had a boyfriend or they haven't had a girlfriend. If they look at that as unfaithfulness to their future spouse, we can be unfaithful before we even know the person who we are going to marry. And so the purity that God requires is so that you don't have the mixture. You know, when the Bible says the two become one flesh, it's figurative and actual. Mm -hmm. There's actual physical evidence that you will see, for example, in a woman that will have an, you know, two X chromosomes, that if you take a sampling of some parts of her cells, there's an X and a Y. How does she get that? Well, because she's been united with her husband and sometimes she has a male child and so you get to see that this evidence of two becoming one flesh is true people joke that when couples have been married long enough they begin to look like each other that's not accidental either so this commitment and children need to learn this from a very young age is an exclusive an exclusive relationship that exists only with the husband and the wife and that's a picture of the relationship with Christ and his church. Mm -hmm. So there's no place for homosexuality in any form or transgenderism or transvestite in God's economy because it distorts the image of God and man and how God has given us a picture of what it means to be fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. Homosexual relationships without going outside and getting some scientific or clinical help will never produce children. And that's not going to change. Right, right, right. So um, one thing that comes to my mind is, you know, very often you see folks that are encouraging their very little children, you know, about about having a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or something like that and sexualizing their um, or permitting their little little girls to be um, 
to be sexualized in the way they dress and, and things like that. That's another example of how we can um, devalue the purity of that um, little, uh, that that family and those future relationships when we permit our kids to do that. And much better than talking about having a boyfriend or a girlfriend, talking to your children about when you become a husband or when you become a wife and you have a family, the things that you learned here in our family will transmit to there. So it's very family oriented so that it becomes an unthinkable thing to say, well, you would never be that close and that intimate with someone who you weren't going to spend the rest of your life with. Right. Because we have lost, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments as proof that we love Jesus. We've lost that. We've made love an emotion. We've made love a feeling. So you can have a spouse who has been in violation of their marriage covenant, come back to this other spouse and say, but I still love you or, mm. but I love her. No, you don't. Not by God's definition of love. And so you pervert love. Then the modern thing, we could talk about young people hooking up or friends with benefits. That's a new one to me that I don't know if that's still the terminology, but it meant that we can have a sexual relations with no commitment. That's right. not how we were designed. That's and right. these things are treasonous to the family, not because, well, the family, it's treason to God because God's institution of dominion and the primary one of society is the family. So these are offenses against God and yeah. also offenses against the family. Right. And also a pornography, you know, like um, Jesus was talking about that, um, that lust. So even just entertaining ourselves there, is 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 violating that trust of the family right. and because too few churches teach on these things because they don't talk about god's laws not only being operative because it's operative whether you obey it or not the same mm -hmm. way that i don't have to i think we've used this example before i can jump off a roof and because I don't think I'm going to fall to the ground doesn't change the fact that I'm going to fall to the ground. Well, God's law has blessings and curses attached to it. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage parents with young children when, for example, mom is dealing with her daughters. This is something that will be important for you to know when you have your own children or mm -hmm. this is the kind of quality you would look for in someone who would be your husband. I remember having a conversation with my granddaughter and I said, I've got on the subject of marriage. And she says, well, when I get, I'm going to marry daddy. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, you're not. And she said, no, I no. am. I said, I said, no. I, I said, I know you love your daddy and he mm -hmm. loves you, but you will never marry your daddy because you see your daddy and your mommy have this exclusive, and I had to explain exclusive relationship. So mm -hmm. what you need to do is to realize that your daddy loves and cares for you. And so you're going to look and notice people who have the same qualities as your daddy. And mm -hmm. your daddy, when you get old enough, will be someone who says, is this person going to love my daughter as much as I love her? And you see, that approach to marriage builds trusty families as opposed to star-crossed lovers who don't care what their parents say and they run off and they get married. Um, 
it doesn't usually work that well for them. It's no surprise that in literature, it's much easier to have these two both, you know, end up dead than trying to figure out what they look like 60 years later. <laughs> right, right, right. And so uh, another thing that I'm thinking about is not to be unequally yoked. And that is, that's another way that we would violate the, um, the trustee family by, by making that um, the conditions of, of marriage or um, the um, preference to simply um, a, about a physical attraction and temporal pleasure rather than um, the work that God has given us to do. And so think about abortion as treason against the family. It's definitely mm -hmm. taking life outside of God's orders, but it's treason against the family. It's denying the family a member, a member of that family. Just like right. Cain killed Abel, he committed murder, but he committed treason against his family. That's why God was saying he shouldn't hang around you people. He is, he is very detrimental to any good family cohesion and growth. And mm -hmm. so, fact that our society promotes that it's a woman's choice, a woman's right to choose. It doesn't matter what the man say. He just got her pregnant. You see, as soon as we destroy God's plan for people to be fruitful and multiply within the context of marriage, we destroy society. So guess what? Treason to the family will result in offenses in society. It's just natural. You'll do it there. Where won't you do it? Sure. Sure. Yeah. If, if we're not going to be loyal, if we, if we can't demonstrate that loyalty to those really closest to us, then, then where can we, we won't demonstrate loyalty and commitment anywhere. Right. That's why it's so funny when people say, well, this politician or this person who holds office, yes, he did this or he did that. But you know, how does that relate to how he governs? Really? Mm -hmm. You're really going to go down the path that says he will take something that whether or not he agreed with it, God says is sacred and holy, and he's willing to trash that. Why don't you think he'd be willing to trash you or anything that didn't go along with how he felt or what he thought? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of folks wanting to be pro family or um, pro life and that that's all that's all good. But it, if it's really just looking at at the very small and external things rather than, like you say, that um, covenantal and trusty family, then we really are still coming short in um, in our assessment of things. We forget that um, that God has given us in in biblical faith a comprehensive worldview and we just we just scratch the tip of the iceberg in in so many um so many cases i think this is really important conversation to really you know just just to realize that these things need to be fleshed out and so i, I appreciate i appreciate that so so what else we got a we got a few more minutes tell tell us something Something else. What else do we need to consider in terms uh, for the family uh, about adultery and protecting our family? Putting it right. right. Okay, so an obvious one is where are you going to get, where are you going to allow your children to learn anything? You know, there are a lot of people who think homeschooling or Christian education is like, 
It's one choice among many. Christian education is the only choice. For people who want to receive the blessings of God, they may not and should not and must not turn their children over to people who are going to tell them to explore sexuality, to mm -hmm. you know, don't take the constructs that your parents or your family give you. So I would say that there's an aspect, a very definite one of turning your children over to godless individuals is treason against the family. That's how you're committing treason against your children. And it's no surprise that a lot of people will equate that with Baal worship. And Baal worship was sacrificing your children to gods or to the gods in order to gain some benefit, right? Well, that's what people are doing. And if you want to scratch your head, today happens to be election day in the United States. All right. How are we going to get good candidates? How are we going to find, how are we going to turn this thing around? It's not going to turn around if people can't think biblically. If people somehow or other are going to say, well, if two people of the same sex love each other, who am I to say that they shouldn't be allowed to do that? Well, you're, you're correct. Who are you to say anything? God is the one who says things, not us. It's not based on what we think. And so we've got to get back to this view that a covenant with God is not something that we can just walk away from and say, oh, there are going to be no consequences. There are going to be consequences. And oftentimes you're not going to like them. Very few people enjoy the discipline of God if they're even believers, but very few enjoy the judgment of God. Right. Um, I think just just in terms of um, the same way that we make adultery just about sex, we also make Christianity just about, you know, loving Jesus or, you know, when we get when do we get baptized when they're when we're little or when we're big. And and we forget, actually, that this is a covenantal um, it's a covenantal. Uh, relationship and, and situation. He's when he brought, you see, with this whole Ten Commandments is given to a people that he just brought out of Egypt. And he said, I will be your God and you will be my people. And this is how we're going to do this, you know? Right. And, and so we can't take these commands outside of their, the context. And remember that these words are given to a freed people. And and that that are gonna uh, worship God and build a nation that the rest of the world is gonna say, wow, there's no other God like this God who gives this kind of care and attention and laws to their people. So um, to His people, rather. Right. So uh, we do not want to do a disservice to any of these, and um, so it, it really does behoove us to understand. Um, to understand what God is saying here. Otherwise, we do have death unnecessarily. Unnecessarily, because he's given us his instructions. So as we build and we've tried to build on all the commandments, you'll see how they relate back and forth to each other. I just brought abortion into the subject of treason against the family. But the way that has to do with thou shalt not kill. Well, we may talk about them individually, 
but they're interconnected. Just like we might talk about the circulatory system if we want to understand stuff, but I've never met somebody who's just a circulatory system. They also have a muscular system and a nervous system and a skeletal system and a digestive system and a respiratory system. And there's probably more systems I'm leaving out. The fact is we are made in a unity in the image of God and we can't separate it out. Mm -hmm. And this is an area where Christians are often silenced. They're silenced because we live in an era that says the only thing you can't have is an absolute loyalty to God's word. Mm-hmm. So instead of fighting with people on these issues, this is where you need discernment. You know, the scripture tells us to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves, right? We right. don't want to go along with things that are not true, but we don't have to engage with people who we know won't care what we're saying. But there are plenty of people who live on the fence and just having somebody who is willing to say, this is what God's word says. Well, you just hate these people. No, I don't. As a matter of fact, it's proof positive that I care for them because I see them going off a cliff and I'm trying to prevent that. So don't, you may not agree with me, but don't say I hate them. I think if, if you believed that something that I was doing was wrong, why would you not try to convince me to do the right thing? But that's not usually the tenor. The tenor is you be quiet, therefore I'm right. And mm-hmm. if you say something that is remotely like thus saith the Lord or the Bible says, then you're called a hater. Well, you know what? You don't have to take other people's descriptions. And Jesus told us they hated me first. Don't be surprised if they hate you. But he didn't say go back and hate them back. What did he say? He tells us that we need to teach and correct and make those disciples. He tells us that all the scripture is, Paul tells us that all scripture is good for teaching and correction and reproof. So it's a foolish man that, that hates discipline, that will not listen to instruction. And so, so it is loving to, to administer these words and learn um, to assist one another to live and think in terms of of what of being the people that God's called us to be. Right now, you asked you before, asked before how do we bring this home? Mm-hmm. And I think the important thing to realize is that we start when our children are young, and we teach them. By the way, this by is the way, the way that says. Um, I'm getting some feedback. I hope you're not. But anyway, this is what God's word says. And this is what other people think. And hold on a second. I'm just going to try to lower this um, a little bit here. Sorry, because I'm hearing feedback. And I know that that might feel that way to other people, too. So let's see if I can reduce that. Sorry. Okay. So this is how other people think. And teach them this is how other people are deceived so that when they go into the greater culture and then they're confronted with you're just, you know, a, a hating Christian, you're just somebody who, who who doesn't really care about people, they're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Remember, we're not just raising children so that they can have a nice day. This whole idea of we want to preserve childhood. 
I don't know where anybody gets that in scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scripture right. Is the aspect as far as I can see that says, oh, we want to keep them innocent. Yeah, you keep children innocent and guess what? Then they can be the victims of sexual abuse, sexual mm -hmm. violation because they've not been taught this is what God says these things are reserved for. So why do we have such an epidemic of abuse? We have an epidemic of abuse because the people of God have refused to teach their children, thou shalt not commit adultery and what that means. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, while you were talking, it occurred to me that even when we say, and I, I say this to kids all the time, you know, do not commit adultery means that we keep our marriage. But but it's not just because I love him and he loves me. It's it's the bigger picture of the authority and of uh, responsibility of the family because God has assigned us these things because God says so, not just because I have a preference for this man. And what the important part about young people seeing committed marriages. Uh, tomorrow happens to be my 43rd anniversary. Well, compared to some people who've been married 60 years, I'm still in the beginning phases, right? Mm -hmm. The point is, instead of saying, well, I see married couples that fight. Yeah, right. Because people don't always agree with each other. So mm -hmm. marriage isn't sustained because you love each other. Let's put it this way. Love doesn't sustain marriage any more than marriage sustains love because it's this committed relationship that says, okay, it's tough right now, but I'll forgive you your trespasses because I know you're going to forgive me mine. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to make um, marriage this thing that has no sin in it and has no flaws. We acknowledge to our children, you see mom and dad, argue with each other, well, make sure your children see you resolve your differences. So they don't worry and say, does this mean mom and dad are going to get a divorce? Because divorce is the easy way out. And scripturally speaking, it's reserved for only specific offenses. And those offenses also happen to be death penalty offenses. Wow. Yeah. Well, as always, you give us a lot to talk about and think about. And, um, you know, it, as challenging as that might be for some, I think that it's really good because we are supposed to be uh, to be having our minds renewed by the word of God. So we're supposed to be rethinking these things and not just taking the cultural explanation for um, or or the model that we have had. And frankly, some of us have not had very good models. So that's all the more reason for us to be diligent and look back to see what God's word says about these things so that we can, um, by his grace, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, in our um, obedience, bring our, um, our thoughts and our actions in our attention to the things that God has called us to. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we scratched the surface here. And I honestly think that anybody who's listening or will listen in the future as we post this, you know, you're going to have questions. You're going to have, um, I wonder how this re re relates to this. 
and we just invite you to contact us. Um, you know, Facebook allows messages, private messaging. So you can certainly identify which one of us you'd like to ask the question. And the point is to help you be a better steward in the lives of your children so that as they grow older and now they become your friends and maybe even your caregivers when you're older, that they have a sense of God's design for the family and why it must be protected on God's terms. Very good. Thank you, Andrea. Okay. Next week. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining Andrea Schwartz in the Kingdom Driven Family Podcast. Holding up the family and self-government as a true and lasting means of transforming society. Please visit thekingdomdrivenfamily.com and reconstructionistradio.com.